Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. This is Quentin Flynn on Anime World Order. You might know me as Axel. Got it memorized? After two weeks of absence, non-consecutive weeks, but two weeks nonetheless, we are back at Anime World Order, and all of us are sick. <laughs> With cons. Hooray, cons! Daryl and I have a special case because we have double con flu. Indeed. AFO and yeah. Otakon. We are at Anime World Order. Each week we talk about Japanese animation, comics, and in this case... Fandom stuff, as this week, we're finally getting around to our Anime Festival Orlando coverage. When was AFO, anyway? Two weeks ago? Yes, almost exactly two weeks ago, By as we time record this. comes out three weeks ago, yeah. thus making it our most timely counterpart ever. Yep. I'm Daryl yep. Surratt. I'm Gerald Rathkolb. And I'm Clarissa. I guess we should go to some emails, because they've been piling up. We'll start with the best one. This one's from Trisha or Chibi Yusa, as she calls herself, and the subject is WORST PODCAST EVER! Here's what she writes, Hi, I'm Trisha, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, I've come to the conclusion that it is the WORST PODCAST EVER! You should change your name to Anime WORST PODCAST EVER. That's you probably some... should. Yeah, she's quite right she's about that, She's on to us. Think. Yeah. But Cha Cha Cha's already got the greatest movie ever podcast, and so for the Anime WORST PODCAST EVER, there's too many thing ever podcasts names, we'd confuse the masses. She continues, this is exactly the reason this is one of my favorite podcasts. Please make more! Instead of podcasts about blah blah crap, I can now listen to podcasts about blah blah old people stuff. Yay! <laughs> the impression I'm getting of you all is that Daryl's a bastard who hates everything, except yeah. for the things he likes. <laughs> is meaningless. <laughs> Gerald is some weird and occasionally funny foreign guy. That is not true. Gerald is never occasionally funny. And yeah. Clarissa, the girl who laughs maniacally. Yeah. Even so, I think Daryl is the coolest and most entertaining and has impeccable taste. Although I'll tend to agree more with Clarissa's views. And Gerald has a weird accent. Oh, well. What the hell is this accent they keep talking about? Well, you're a foreigner. The accent that you have. Yeah. I don't hear it. It's because it's your voice. I'm yeah, sure British people why don't even know they have a British accent. But I don't even hear it when I hear the recording. I, I don't really know what people That's are talking about. Clearly you're deaf. She continues with regards to show number three that we did. Wow. About Mecca not being that mainstream or whatever in today's fandom, I beg to differ. If it wasn't that popular today, why would they still make toys? And the answer is, is because there's still... Ten people out there willing to pay $220 for Optimus Prime. <laughs> and we know those people. We know those people. We're friends with those people. Yes. We're, Sna- We're going to have one of those people on as a guest later we on already this did. episode. So. She continues, they still make high-quality giant robot toys. I would know my dad buys them. Aww. I don't know what you were talking about, girls not liking Mecha. It's freaking awesome, and I'm not some old geezer either. Well, as our metric, we just went to Otakon. Gerald, how many girls were at the Mecha Anime Trivia Contest and the Transformers um, panel? 
A better question to ask would be, how many girls were there on their own accord? Because there were about five girls in the audience that I could think of, and I don't think any of them were not there without their boyfriends. Or husbands. Mm. No, 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 no. Boyfriends. I don't think there was anybody married at that panel. Aaron from the Weekly Anime Review Podcast is married. Oh, yes, you're right. She was there. You mean Ninja Consultant? No, no, there's Aaron. Yeah. Oh, well, Aaron. Right. There's Aaron. With, with his wife. God right. damn it. Yeah. The whole search for the truth thing is very amusing. But are you mad because you're old geezers? Or old geezers? What? I'm not old. I told you, I'm like 20-something. But I guess 20-something is considered old because... In the world I... of anime fandom, that's ancient. Yeah. She continues, in my opinion, kids like myself have always been like that, but they mostly grow out of it. I actually have a theory about this. Now, I used to believe that, and nowadays I'm not so sure it's true, but that'll wait for another day. All those Yaoi fangirls, boys too, are just excited because until recently they haven't had access to comics for them. I myself grew up reading unhealthy doses of Sailor Moon and X-Men. They'll get over it eventually. Oh, no, they won't. I was like that too until I started reading so much shoujo, I realized it's all crap, and I was finally able to truly enjoy old stuff. Not all old comics are crap. Wait a second. This is nothing but a series of vast contradictions <laughs> and deceits. This whole email. <laughs> you just don't get awesome stuff like crazy so robots or neo-Nazis as often these days. Instead of making fun of these poor and confused people, you should do that while helping them. It won't be easy, but I feel you people can since you are such elitist bastards. She's figured us out. No, the thing is, is I remember that movie Dragon the Bruce Lee story. <laughs> Where Bruce Lee, as played by Jason Scott Lee, no relation, was being chastised for teaching kung fu to the foreigners. And he was like, I'll teach whoever wants to learn. And that's me. I'll teach whoever wants to learn. And people who want to learn is nobody. <laughs> and she concludes, the greatest episode ever would be you talking about really well-loved anime and tearing them to shreds. Then you truly will be the worst podcast ever, and I'll be the biggest fan. I thought we did that every episode, though. I guess. In fact, there was a, a moment of Otakon, which I don't know if we want to talk about. We'll talk about it during the Otakon report. Okay, well... Which we'll have to do shortly after this report, as we'll well as the Metrocon uh, report. It'll just be con reports in a string of successions. We have another email from George, who says, The anime hell that is Greece. I've recently returned from my annual journey to Greece, the land of myths. It being the first year I'm interested in anime, I realized how lucky we are in the States. Now with my journey down the river sticks to anime hell. Next to Greek Playboy and Penthouse, there's an anime magazine that comes with a free special edition DVD of Ghost in the Shell. It was only 15 euro. I promptly purchased it, along with Playboy, and ran home to watch. To my horror, Ghost in the Shell was dubbed in Greek. My theory is that the studio that released it was so fucking broke that they hired one actor to do all the voices. Not only that, but they changed all the characters' names to ancient Greek names. Motoko Kusanagi was renamed Kalkis. The movie was so utterly butchered that you could throw it on the grill and eat it. After that horrifying experience, I decided to go to the animation channel where some of the worst anime is shown, such as an obviously bootlegged episode of Karis. Greece has almost no copyright laws. All dubbed in Greek. As with Ghost in the Shell dub... They got one actor to do all the voices. Later at night, the animation channel, it switches to hentai. On Greece, after 12, you can show anything you want. To my complete and utter disbelief, they were going to show Gonad the Barbarian, the Greek dub. So I watched. Pussy Lamore was renamed Octopussy. I felt physical pain watching it. Head blows up. Well, I've said enough, George. He says, P.S. My little bro emailed you before. Disregard everything he says. P.P.S. Clarissa, your voice is hot. And P.M.S. 
fuck anybody that says old anime is bad. <laughs> wow. I wonder if, I wonder if uh, I those see dubs these Greek are... Dubs now. I asked him to send us some, and he hasn't responded yet, but I mm. wonder if these are like those old Polish anime dubs, where they would have the Japanese version playing... Over it, they'd have this very gruff, deep voice come in saying what they were saying, like, oh, he is now going to his giant robot. Hmm. He is now taking off on his giant robot. I wonder if it's like that. I don't know. Sounds like it. Yeah, we need to get some of these. Clearly. Anyone listening from Greece, capped some terrible Greek anime dubs and send them our way. I'm just amazed that the copyright laws are so bad that they can actually include all of Ghost in the Shell with a magazine. Yeah, I don't know, I guess he meant the first movie, or... I'm guessing that. Still, it's pretty insane. We got some other things that are pretty insane, too. <laughs> yes, we do. We recently got another voicemail from our good friend Max. Let's just play that now. Hey, guys. It's Max here. I'm calling in response to your Fudinari episode. I know, it's late as hell, but who cares? You played that clip of the preacher. With the, that thing ain't real. So I immediately had to go find out where that was from, and it's funny as hell. Well, last week, I'm standing with my cousin in line at a convenience store, and I notice the guy in front of me has got an artificial leg. My cousin looks at the guy, sees it, looks at me, and doesn't make a damn sound, but he just mouths. That thing ain't real! That thing ain't got no feeling in it! God damn, if I didn't have to leave my place in line and walk off to keep him laughing at a cripple. Damn you, AWO, for making me laugh at amputees. You're evil. That's See, a lie, Max. You. That's a total lie because Max was laughing at cripples for much, much longer than that. That's only because he's friends with Daryl, and Daryl is a terrible human being, as we've already established, and it's infectious. He turns everyone else around him into terrible human beings as well. Listen, I don't do anything. I just <laughs> recommend that people read the Mad Bull manga. Did you not see the latest chapter where he made himself a chainmail cast and clothesline the top half of a guy's head off? No, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, well, it's really awesome. <laughs> then there's the one where it's just an entire chapter of him having sex with a hooker. <laughs> is there any reason, or is it just we felt like it? No, no, the hooker is a highly trained assassin. She has sex with people, gets them drunk, and then as they're stumbling down, drunken from their sexual escapades, they put their hand on the staircase railing, but the staircase railing has razor blades on it that are tipped in poison, <laughs> and so that kills them. See, this is she far too sophisticated. Like, it she needs couldn't to just, be, like, uh, crush their heads with her thighs or something? No, see, that's more of the realm of Rape Man, but less sophisticated than that, actually. <laughs> no, I think... Rape Man has Rape a very Man's elaborate... sophistication is a little more sophisticated than the word sophisticated conveys. I think so. It's super-sticated. Yeah. <laughs> Supasticated. <laughs> it's... It's... <laughs> The there is style. no word to describe it. There are no <laughs> words. So yeah, that'll do it for our emails and stuff this week. Even though we've got quite a few of them still to go through, we're probably going to do an episode where we just answer emails again, because it's yeah. getting a little terribly out of hand. You suckers, let us do it last time. Let us know if you guys are bored to tears by the rest of this episode. Send us email, animeworldorder at gmail.com. Time for the con report for Anime Festival Orlando 2006. And now it's time for our 
report on Anime Festival Orlando 2006. Joining us via phone is Mr. Eric Reese. Say hello, Eric. Hi, guys. How you doing? My name is Eric Reese. I'm the, uh, the vice president of Anime Festival Orlando, and I am also the programming director for Anime Festival Orlando as well. We've been doing this for about seven years. It's uh, been a hell of a ride. Now, what exactly does being the vice president of a convention entail over, the, say, the president? Well, what that entails is me doing half the work and keeping the president from being too overly stressed during the prep time for the con. <laughs> you know, also with the programming director thing, dealing with all the anime and all of that stuff, which neither of us pay much attention to normally. So <laughs> programming is in you schedule the video rooms? We schedule the video rooms. Try, we set all the program times for both the Anime Festival Orlando TV channel that we have at the hotel and also in the... Uh, the viewing rooms at the con. This year we actually had remarkably a lot less anime than we have in the past years. We're finding people don't come to cons to watch anime anymore. Interesting. We've been noticing something similar. AFO was held at the Wyndham Resort? Yes, it's the Wyndham Orlando Resort. And uh, it's our fourth year there, I think. All right. They've, uh, they've been gracious enough to invite us back for another year. Oh, so you'll be back there next year? That's the plan. <laughs> Do you know what your numbers were for this year? We don't usually publish, but we had well over 3,000 people this year. And we're about a 30% increase from last year's con, from the FO6. Any plans to reserve more space in the hotel convention center setup? So maybe we won't eventually end up sharing the convention with a random wedding, as we <laughs> tend to be doing for the last... <laughs> well, that's part of the fun of it, actually. This year, I don't know that everybody was aware of this. We tried to keep it fairly quiet, but on Friday afternoon, uh, Governor Jeb Bush was actually speaking at the convention, and not at our convention, at the other half of the hotel. But, oh boy! Oh, oh really? Yeah. yeah. So that was fun. Security was aware of all that. And, you know, between hotel security and our security, we had no incidents, and everything ran amazingly well. I don't think a lot of anime fans are very political anyway. We're hoping to uh, expand. We're still working on stuff at the hotel, but. You know, we're hoping to expand more. We're hoping to have a bigger, better AF08 for you guys. I believe uh, last year we were sharing the hotel with a Christian revival, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was, I uh, remember that. That was very interesting. The local Southern Baptist group, I think, last year. Oh, okay. Um, this year was, we only shared the convention for one day with them. It was, it was another Christian group. It was some sort of Christian teen group, but they were there on Friday. The only people we had to share space with this year. On the subject of sharing space, AFO is what? One of the top three anime conventions in the state of Florida, correct? Yes. Well, two of the top three are actually in Orlando. We were at J-Con earlier. We had a convention report earlier in the year with Mr. Joey Snackpants. And so, <laughs> could you tell us a bit about how it is that two of the largest conventions in the state can both be held in the same city and both sustain well, themselves? Well, Orlando is just a great place to have a convention. You know, and that was one of the things way back when, when uh, both us and JCon were starting, we, you know, we both realized the potential for Orlando. It's centrally located. You've got theme parks here. It's, you know, there's a lot of enticing things to come here. So people that aren't from Orlando, I mean, people that are in Orlando, it's great for them because it's, you know, just 20 minutes down the road usually. And the people that aren't from Orlando, they can come here, they can have a good time, they can do all the touristy things as well, and they can pack an anime con into their weekend. For years, we've had international travelers come in. I actually haven't looked at our list this year, but we usually get a good five or six people that fly in internationally just for the convention. 
How many of the people who attend these conventions would you say are just local to Orlando? Yeah, 50 to 60% is probably local Orlando. The other half, I mean, we get people from all over the state. We have a, actually we have a volunteer that comes in from Maryland every year, and he's been coming to our con for a couple of years now. He actually comes down as an AMV creator and then ends up volunteering for us just because he likes to... Be a gotten for punishment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, never a dull moment when you're running a con, so... I actually remember that you had a panelist, what, two years ago that was from Australia. Yeah, actually, Sam, uh, Sam Ketty, who was one of our film entrants this hmm. year at the uh, first fan film contest that we did. Um, he did a documentary, actually, on AFO5 from when he was here two years ago. And that was actually, I think, in AFO5 was his second or third year at AFO. He, at the time, was saving all his vacation time in Australia. to He'd come up here for about a month, and uh, he had some friends on the West Coast out in California. He'd start there and work his way to the East Coast, stay with friends out here, and then come to AFO. My question, which, since we have listeners, most of whom are not in Florida, they probably want to know, what is it that makes Anime Festival Orlando a unique convention experience from, say, the other Florida conventions, such as J-Con, which is in the same city, or MetroCon, which we will get to a report sooner. <laughs> well, we were kind of late on that. We'll, we'll get to it. But, yeah, what's I'm, the I'm, big allure? Combo, our report is before MetroCon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what makes Anime Festival Orlando special is a good majority of our staff members are in the entertainment industry. And I'm not, I'm certainly not disparaging any of the other cons in Florida. I actually attend both of those cons and have a really good time with them. But one of the things that we really, I think, specialize in is that we really try to put on a big show. We try to make sure it's a very entertaining and very show-oriented. We have a lot of people in the entertainment industry, both theme park and uh, the film industry as well, involved in these conventions. We're all very, very concerned about the show factor, make sure that it's entertaining for the crowd no matter what we do. And um, I've been to other cons that don't seem to, and not even the Orlando cons, but I've been to other conventions where they don't seem to care as long as there's a person in the room talking and, you know, oh, look, that's going to be entertaining. We try to focus on the game show aspect. We try to focus on the... Uh, we did the awards show this year with the AF, first AF Oscars that we did for the fan film contest and things like that. So we really try to try to keep things fresh and unique every year. On the subject of things fresh and unique, you've mentioned it a few times already, the AF Oscars. What exactly are those? Well, the AF Oscars, we did this year, as I mentioned before, a lot of us are in the film industry. And we've, you know, we've talked about it for years about, oh, wouldn't it be cool to make an anime fan film? Wouldn't it be cool to make, you know, just make an anime-style movie? It came up early in the year this year that, you know, it would be kind of a cool thing and we think maybe some of the other people will get into it. There's a, a big subculture of Star Wars fan films and, you know, some other sci-fi franchises like that. And we thought, why not anime? So we announced this, I think around March, we announced it, February or March, and we had a, just a really big response. We immediately got a lot of people emailing and saying they really want to be involved. And we had a good crop of submissions this year at the convention, which we, uh, we aired on Friday night. And then... Saturday night, we had a big uh, awards show for that. After cosplay, we did first AF Oscars. And what those are, those were film awards given, much like the Academy Awards, by the Academy of Anime Festival staff. We did AF Oscars for that. We had uh, guest presenters. All of our guests from the convention were presenters for that. It was a really, uh, really fun time. Was, I think everyone really enjoyed it. I know the filmmakers were really, really impressed with it. They, did, uh, they went right into uh, the after party. We had an Oscar-style after party um, leading into the dance for uh, Saturday night this year. Let's 
go into what actually happened at the convention. We'll start with Friday. You guys got there before I did. Tell me about how you started things off Friday, Gerald. Or Clarissa, or... Well, I guess the first event that I actually attended was, I guess I kind of watched <laughs> Clarissa partake in the para-para dancing. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea you were a para-para head. I don't do it very often, and I, I don't know very many of the dances or anything, but uh, it was cool. That was, I think that was a really good one. I was sad that I didn't get to go to the one on Saturday, because it overlapped too many things. But, yeah, I thought that was really well done. They had a, a pretty large room with a screen where they could display the dance videos that you can get the DVDs for. And then they had some people who do it up at the front also showing you and walking you through the steps to some of the low-level beginner dances. So I got overall... video everything. Oh, good. We can post that along with yeah. the stabbing. Gerald was too much of a wuss to take on I, the para-para dancing. I was there as a reporter. So I am <laughs> uh -huh. just there to report what's happening, and I got a very good guy who was para-para dancing in the back of the room. <laughs> desperately, but I thought that that actual panel was extremely well done. I thought that the people yeah. there knew what they were doing, and they knew how to teach it as well. Yeah, it went very smoothly. I was surprised it went quite quickly. I think they did a good job of walking people through it. Though they were pretty simple routines, but still... That's their uh, their second year doing that for us, and uh, they'll mm. be back next year as well. They've already expressed interest in doing it again. Cool. And uh, the room was absolutely packed. I, at some yeah, point, it was. My wanderings was able to poke my head in and see what was going on, and, and the room was packed. Mm -hmm. I mean, the last year they did it for the first time, and there was I remember seeing there was they removed three rows of chairs, and there was about fifteen people up front. And I figured mm. I was expecting about the same thing, and I walked by, and there was you know no chairs in the room, and 150 people were paraphering. Yeah, it was pretty packed. And that was two hours? Yes. yes. On Friday, okay. I got there around 6 o'clock, so probably halfway into mm -hmm. that. I would say the very first thing that happened to me after I got my badge was that some cosplayer with a bowken over their shoulder turned and hit me right above the eye. Oh. So mm -hmm. that, the cosplay prop immediately, <laughs> right off the bat... Good man. The bump Good is man. It's no longer there anymore. It's finally healed up. Opening ceremonies. Opening ceremonies. Standard opening ceremonies deal. It was in the main events room. Tell us about some of the guests that came to AFO, Eric. Well, we had four of the main actors from Full Metal Panic. Uh, we had Vic Mignogna, who is Edward Alphonse. Edward Elric. Aaron Dismuth. Oh, Edward Elric, yes, thank you. But we had Aaron Dismuth, who is Alphonse um, Elric. I'm pretty sure the entire convention showed up to see this kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, a lot of people were. I didn't get, make it to any of these panels, but from everything, everyone that I've talked to that was at his panels, it was like the room was completely packed. It was um, the third anime convention he'd ever been to in his life. Yeah, so it was a, kind of, a, I think, a new experience for him. Yeah, he's. Only I think the poor kid was probably traumatized. <laughs> there were girls <laughs> ready to fling themselves at this poor kid. you. <laughs> Pedophiles. That's what that sound is. It's the sound of pedophilia. It's the most awful scream I've ever heard. There's a lot of pedophiles in this world, Gerald. Sitting next to one. 
Sorry, Gerald. I didn't mean to say it that way. <laughs> Deafening screams. Okay by the end of the weekend. He didn't seem too traumatized. We were a little concerned about that. Okay. <laughs> but I don't think he was expecting the kind of response that he got. Um, mm. I, I know his staff weren't fully expecting the response we got to him being there as well. The fan girls just turned out in droves for him. But we had him as well. We had uh, Chris Sabat, who was Louis Armstrong from Full Metal Alchemist. And then we also had Travis Willingham, who was Roy Mustang from Full Metal Alchemist as well. Those were kind of the big four. Thanks to the suggestions of a lot of our people, we decided to uh, actually have a whole panel with them. We had a, had a big uh, Full Metal Alchemist event on Saturday. Yeah, we know. Trivia panel. And then uh, <laughs> all the actors together. Like half um, the convention was at that. Half? Yeah. I don't know where I was during that. I, where the hell was I doing that? I don't know. <laughs> I spend a lot of the weekend running around and making sure everything is running smoothly. So if things are running smoothly and I don't get a radio call about it, I'm pretty much on looking for what else is wrong. Um, <laughs> which surprisingly, I mean, there's a lot of running around for me this year, but really we didn't have a lot of problems. <clears throat> and we were very grateful for that. But we also had Mark Handler, who was one of our guests this year. He was uh, one of the original creators of Voltron and the main writer for uh, Voltron. He's also been an English adaptation writer, I guess would be the mm. mm-hmm. An English uh, adaptation writer for Astro Boy, which he won several awards for. It did very well in England, apparently. It did, not, it did absolutely nothing here. And WB apparently pretty much killed that pretty quick over here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But apparently it did really well in England and the rest of the world. And the Japanese even loved the English dub that he did. And he's also done, uh, he wrote the first season of Naruto as well. Yeah, we went to some of his panels. I thought he was a really good guest. We'd actually like yeah. to get him on the show at some point. Yeah. Extremely interesting. Had a lot to say. I totally take credit for that one. In, in seven years, you know, we get a lot of voice actors and stuff. And you guys know me. I don't watch anime in English, so I have no idea who these people are or what they do. Um, <laughs> I know the fans like them, and that's the important thing. Uh, Mark was great. I sat with him for about an hour Saturday night um, and just completely geeked out. We were just talking Voltron and production of Voltron and which company did this and who, which producers were involved and why World Events stopped doing anime and all that stuff. Um, mm. All stuff that people at panels really probably don't give a crap about. But we had a good time talking about that stuff. And honestly, I'm probably the first guest I've really spent any time with in about seven years. With the possible exception of Steve Bennett. But. Stevie B. <laughs> How come Stevie B wasn't at AFO? Well, this year at AFO, um, we didn't invite Steve um, due to our massive guest load. Um, we had 11 guests this year. It was kind of a, a funny phenomenon in the fact that we had a couple that we invited. And then the other, all the rest of our guest list really seemed to seek us out and uh, they wanted to come and do our show. They approached us, we'd like to come do AFO. So our guest list went from the couple that we were planning to invite to all of a sudden this out-of-control guest list. Hmm. Is this the largest number of guests that you have had at your con? I believe so. If not, it's tied with, I want to say five or six, but I think this is the largest number we've had. Actually, we had 13 guests, well, 12 guests this year in attendance. We had one guest canceled the last second. But we had 13 guests total because we had uh, some artist guests come in at the last couple of days before the con. So we had a total of 12 guests, um, all industry professionals, anywhere from voice acting to writing to uh, manga artists. <clears throat> a good selection of, of different kinds of, of guests this year. All right, so that okay. was, you know, a lot of the guests opening ceremonies is when you generally see them. And then immediately afterwards, it was like you said, they showed the fan films 
after that. Yes, we went right from opening ceremonies. And you know what? I forgot two guests. We also had uh, Jeff Nimoy and Quentin Flynn. Jeff is one of the directors on Naruto, and he's directed mm-hmm. a lot of Digimon. And also, uh, Quentin Flynn is the voice of Reno in Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. Also, Axel in Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah, Yay. I gotta say, both those guys were just awesome. Yeah. Oh, they were great. They were such fun to have around. They're coming back next year. Oh, good. Um, cool, cool. So, maybe, yeah. I mean, you know, any production delays that they might have pending, but they really want to come back, so we're hoping to have them again next year. But, yeah, we had those guys as well, and those guys were great. I, I, uh, I poked my head in their panel on Friday night, and it was a phenomenal panel. They had a, it's called Q&A with Q&J. They had a musical act and all sorts of things going on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so opening ceremonies we had, right after that we interviewed all the guests and kind of showed everyone who's who and welcomed everyone to the con. Opening ceremonies was standing room only. Yeah, it was the first yeah. time I've ever seen mm-hmm. people be turned away from opening ceremonies at yeah, the convention y- here in Florida. Usually nobody yeah, goes, but since the Full Metal Alchemist voice actors were there, it was just... I think it was a combination of two things, actually. It was, one, the Full Metal Alchemist voice actors, and two, one of the guests who we forgot to mention was Veronica Taylor, who's the voice of Ash Ketchum from Pokemon. Ah, right. Right. That's true. And Emeraldus. We were just discussing that earlier. Yeah. Which I never talked to her about during the weekend. But, yeah, she's also the voice of uh, Emeraldus from the Harlock saga. And I unfortunately (laughs) never got to see her because she was just... Mobbed with people. The yeah, I, she was around. yeah, I feel bad for not being able to attend her panel because I wanted to ask her some things as well. But yeah, so how would you say overall Friday went? So it was great. I mean, everything went according to plan. There was not a lot of crazy running around like we usually have. I don't want to say you usually have, but you know, there's there's always a lot going on. And like I said, and my job during the weekend is making sure things are running smoothly and all that sort of stuff. And I actually, you know, there wasn't a lot of running around for me. There was just a lot of just checking on things. And, you know, oh, look, this room's packed, and that room's packed, and the next room's packed as well. One of the things we noticed this year was that all of our rooms seemed to be anywhere between half full to capacity mm. at any given time. And that's something, you know, there's always there's always a couple of dead panels and things like that at cons. And yeah, I was morning. surprised at the number of people that some of the panels drew. Like, there were some panels that I expected to have nobody in them, and actually a good number of people showed up. Like, which ones? Well, like, your, uh, I can't believe you haven't seen that. Oh, yeah, that was Saturday. We totally um, didn't expect anybody to show up because it was opposite the panel with all the Full Metal Alchemist people. Yeah. Right. And it was in a room that we didn't know was being used by the convention. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, people showed up for it, and I was really surprised by yeah. it. Because the I idea for that panel came about because Gerald said, oh, there's a panel at Otakon, because I can't believe you haven't seen this. Mm-hmm. So, so we decided, all right, we'll call ours, I can't believe you haven't seen that. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Brilliant. And I said, I don't know, I'm skeptical about it. I don't think anybody here cares I'll do it once. If no one shows up, I won't do it ever again. And people showed up for it, so... I'm surprised by that. Just In, in, in the past, we've tried to do old school, and we've tried to do stuff that you should know as an anime fan mm-hmm. for the panel, and nobody ever shows up for those. It's like, oh, this would be a great idea, and all of us that are really into old school anime are like, yeah. oh, this is mm-hmm. great, and people love it, and then the two people that show up absolutely love that panel. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear you guys were well attended this year. Another good thing I noticed about Friday, as soon as I walked in... Big sign that said, no panhandling allowed. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for that. It's we just, even addressed that at opening ceremonies. It was just <laughs> ridiculous. We quoted chapter and verse from the Orange County Panhandling statute. 
<laughs> How many people still got the boot for panhandling? I don't think anyone got the boot. We did pull some signs. We did pleasantly say, please don't do that. And they, most of them stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, our security force was well on that this year. Um, as a matter of fact, so much so to the point that one of my favorite memories from the weekend, I was in operations, which is right behind registration, and a girl had come up during one of the slow times at registration later, I think on Friday. She started complaining to our registration person that somebody had come and told her she couldn't have her sign, hug you for a dollar, I don't know, some general annoying anime sign that you find at these conventions. Somebody had come and said, you know, you can't have that, you can't do that this weekend. Apparently she wasn't at opening ceremonies. <laughs> but, you know, she was really annoyed by the fact that she couldn't panhandle. If that's going to be your complaint about a convention, then we've done our job. <laughs> and but, uh, yeah, we didn't have a major problem with that this year. Mm. I mean, once we started taking them away from people. Hey, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, could you be quiet? I'm trying to leave a pod mail to Adam Curry. Wait, did you just say Adam Curry? That hottie from MTV? Ooh, can I run my fingers through his hair? Can I lick him? I want to lick him. Guys, we do a podcast every Wednesday, not a touchcast. Ooh, I like it. OtakuGeneration.net. Getting in touch with your inner otaku every Wednesday. Moving along as quickly as we can. Let's go to Saturday. All right. See what happened there. Uh, we had a lot of stuff on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. No. Saturday was, as always, the big day, but for AFO, it seemed like it was the day that everything happened even more so. Yeah. yeah. I would agree. In terms of scheduling, was there any different ideas thrown around for the scheduling this year as far as when to put things or what to go when? That sort of thing? Are you the person who does that, or is that someone else? I am the person who does that, actually. Okay. Uh, I usually try to make sure there's a good balance of uh, what I refer to as girly things and guyly things. If you're not into this section of fandom, then I try to make sure there's something else that, you know, Mm -hmm. within that time frame you can go to. This year, I think our Saturday schedule was just packed beyond belief. Like you mentioned, the uh, the para-para panel was two hours, and it just crossed so many other things. Mm -hmm. Oh, right, because there was another one on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, intermediate. Yeah, the intermediate paraphernalia. Yeah. I was just going to ask, what were some of the panels that you guys attended? Because I know what I went to. Obviously, I had my yeah. own panel, and we all had our own panels on Saturday, incidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, f- pretty busy. Thing. Yours was Sunday, Gerald, right? Well, yeah, it might along be with we, we did one together. I guess yeah. the first actual sit-down panel that I think we all were at was uh, writing for anime with Mark Handler. Well, all of us, yeah. Yeah, because as an unprecedented First time ever <laughs> for Florida Anime Convention history. The there was fan fiction actually, panel was not canceled. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it actually happened. <laughs> what was the secret behind that one, Eric? In previous years, we've had uh, our fan fiction people, and I I like fan fiction people. I don't want I don't want to say bad things about them, but every time they say yes, we want to do a panel, and then the last minute they're like, no, we don't want to do a panel. So I don't know <laughs> I don't know what's going on with them in that area, but. This year, mm. they, they said they wanted to do a panel, and we were like, please don't cancel on us. And they said, okay, we won't. Um, it was a new uh, a new crew doing it, actually. Um, mm. I think it was a, a pair of girls, right? Yeah. I don't have my schedule in front of me. I have names and everything. But we had a new pair of girls do it, and they had come to us with a whole, uh, I think it was a two- or three-page proposal. Yeah, they had um, packets and stuff of pointers and... Tell us about this proposal that they came forth with that was two or three pages, because that's interesting that you mentioned Um, that. You know, every every year, somebody always wants to do a fanfic panel, and like I said, we've gotten kind of gun-shy about fanfic panels, because we always Mm. schedule them, and then somebody doesn't show up. 
Understandable. Um, but this year, this, we had a couple of people submit, but these girls were, they said, look, we've got, here's our rundown of the entire panel. Here's everything that we're going to talk about. I mean, they pretty much had everything sort of a PowerPoint presentation to give us. Do you think um, you should start asking that for all panelists to be that? I uh, would love to get that from all panelists. Do you, panel at AFO yeah. next year, please send us as much information as you can. I believe the requirement this year to do a panel at your convention was that you requested as much of an outline of the panel as possible. Mm. Yes, yeah. and for the most part, people, as much of an outline as possible was about three sentences. <laughs> <laughs> you were the person who approved panels as well? It was me and a small committee of people. We, we all worked together on that. Was there any reason if, like you said, they only submitted about three sentences, was there any reason, did you ever say, hey, this isn't enough, write us some more, because we can't tell what this thing's supposed to be about? We did have a few like that that, you know, the panel seemed really like it was something interesting. We weren't quite sure. And, you know, we emailed them and said, hey, can you, can you clarify? And they, they did, and they sent us... Uh, we want names. What <laughs> names, places, how many minutes, all this stuff. No. Um, you know, I mean, it's one of those things that anytime you're applying for a panel at a convention, I mean, the more information you can give them, you know, especially if it's something... There's a lot of niche interest in the anime community and you know if i'm not into fanfic or i'm not into uh paper dolls or you know cloth folding we had a couple of interesting panels like that this year you know things i know nothing about and it's like well this looks interesting can you can you be a little more specific about it because you know you want to make mm -hmm. sure you're not going to delve into anti-panel in the middle of the afternoon but <laughs> you know beyond that there's just a you know it's, it's, a, it's always a good learning experience for us because there's all these different little parts of fandom that you know we don't participate in normally and it's like oh well that's kind of neat Matter of fact, our doll panel this year, the uh, the ball, Asian ball joint doll panel, I found myself in there setting up some, some tech for their panel. And it was a really, really neat panel. I actually wish I could have stayed for the entire thing, and I don't even like dolls that much. <laughs> in fact, those the, the Asian dolls can be kind of creepy sometimes. Oh, just kind of <laughs> creepy? <laughs> yeah. Kind of <laughs> think you're gonna, they're going to come to life in the middle of the night and kill you. I'm not afraid of Brad Dereef. I'm afraid of these Asian ball joints doll people. <laughs> human eyes and their souls of children. <laughs> Remind me to tell you the doll in the closet story sometime. When we're not <sighs> no, boy. <laughs> so, yeah, there were some other things, like you were talking about game shows. Friday there was a game show. Saturday there was also a game show. There were two of them, as a matter yeah, of fact. We, game shows too. We, uh, we tend to be a very game show heavy con. Um, we'd like, to, like I said, we like to keep things entertaining. We like to keep things fun for the whole crowd, not just for the two people that are really into what you're talking about, you know. In a in a particular in a given panel, um, and not that that was a problem this year because there was the 40 people that were in every single panel. But we had a game show Friday night. We had uh, Weakest Geek Five, an AFO standard it's or been doing for several years, hosted by well, our very own Weldon Smiley. And people seemed to know who Weldon Smiley was this year. That was the one thing Weldon told me after his game show. Well, he did have a trailer for his game shows yeah. played after opening ceremonies, which a lot of people mistakenly thought was one of the fan films, including myself. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to officially request a copy of that film. I recorded that <laughs> film. Oh, good. I will make sure you guys get one. That's not a problem. Awesome. And we had an opening ceremonies this year. We had a special guest, Goldar from the Power Rangers, who was there to help us announce opening ceremonies this year. And uh, he also, we, there was a little skip before opening ceremonies. Do you guys see any of that? Um. I think we were still in line outside. Yeah, getting at that in point. was problematic. Were you the folks standing in the door? We eventually had to open up the doors. Yeah. Standing in the yeah. Doorways, out in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, we had to work our way into the press section very yeah. carefully. 
Yeah, so I think we must have missed that. <laughs> we had a little uh, skit with Goldar and Rito from the Power Rangers about their trip to AFO. And we had Goldar announcing at opening ceremonies himself. He introduced Chris and Angie, who are hosts for opening ceremonies. And I'd have to say that those two did a really good job with being MCs over the course of the weekend. Yeah, you know, various we events. Where'd you find those guys anyway? We had to look under a lot of rocks. A lot of rocks. Hmm. I can imagine. They kind of found us, and they kind of just settled in with us. We like having them, and they like doing what they do. They're very entertaining. And I think the crowd thinks that too, which is important. In terms of other things on Saturday, I thought this was pretty unique. They had a panel called the Dragon Ball Z Dubbing Session with Chris Sabat. And the premise for this was that he just sort of ran through the process of how they'd actually do these things. And I guess they found a theater room full of people willing to scream at the top of their lungs to do that. Not just going through the process. Every year at at AFO, we do uh, a panel called Voice Acting 101 on Saturday Mm -hmm. morning-ish. And that's all of our voice actors get together and they say, you know, this is... Kind of, they kind of run people through this is kind of what's expected of a voice actor and what goes on in the booth and everything. And we've, you know, we've always talked about that, but we've never actually done it before. So Chris, who's been a director on Dragon Ball Z and uh, many other anime as well, he actually brought some DBZ footage with him this year. And Friday night we had kind of an open audition thing, and it was how to audition as a voice actor and things like that. He had people reading lines from a new project he's working on. And then on Saturday, he actually those same people, a lot of those same people came back, and they actually came up, and he recorded their voice into Pro Tools. They would watch the scene, and they would speak alongside the scene, and they would record it. And then he was playing back, and they could actually see their voice with the end. And it was just like being in a booth, or a recording booth. And was that the first time that was done here at AFO? That was the first time it's been done in Florida, I believe. I thought it was really neat, just because it was a unique sort of thing, mm-hmm. and... I'm all for conventions here having things to distinguish themselves. Of course, as some of you know, I've been searching for the truth this past year, and as I alluded to in the bonus recording that we released about two weeks ago, I guess, my search may have been killed at Anime Festival Orlando, and Eric, I think you're responsible for this. <laughs> the death of, what did I do now? of the truth. Essentially, search basically entails my trying to figure out what's the deal with today's modern anime fandom by just talking to them, seeing what makes them tick. So I just find people, or rather they find me, more accurately, and we discuss things. As it turns out, at about 5.45 p.m. on Saturday, I was uh, sitting you know, outside the dealer's room or something like that, and I guess you walked up to me and said, Hey, Daryl, come here for a second. And I, being stupid, said, Okay. <laughs> And then both you and Chris said, hey, guess what you're doing? Uh, You're judging the cosplay sketches. And I said, oh, all right, fine. Sorry, did I draft you? I thought I asked. No, uh, (laughs) you can't turn down that sort of... That's more like the Japanese style. Would you please do this, by the way? If you don't do this, we'll kill your family. But... (laughs) So I did the only thing I could do. I said, yes, I'll do it if Joey Snackpants and Tom Croom do it. And so that's how that ended up happening. <laughs> what I want to know is, what would you have done if I said no? I probably would have been up there judging cosplay. Oh. Mm. 
<laughs> so how many people did you make cry? And nobody wants that, knowing my, my, my normal attitude on this. I, I'll play a recording of uh, what went down during those cosplay proceedings. For potential gamer cosplayers, there's more games than Final Fantasy. Also, I hate musicals in Final Fantasy. <laughs> oh, I have to listen to this show. I completely missed it. Once I, once I set you guys up as judges, I kind of ran away. Oh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> well, really, it was because I had other convention-oriented things to do. It wasn't that I was fearful of The other convention-oriented things to do, such as the Guitar Hero Tournament <laughs> and the Gundam Modeling Cafe. That nobody was at? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, those are the important events. Because I think Gerald and I are two of the only four people in the Florida con yeah. scene that actually make Palamo. I was really sad that I didn't attend that panel, but I was really hungry at mm. the time. Yeah, we went for food. <laughs> well, our, our guy that usually runs uh, our modeling cafe, which is kind of something that we do every... Well, it's something we've done every year, actually, at AFO for the last mm -hmm. seven years. Sometimes it's well attended, sometimes it's not attended at all. We had a lot going on this year, so I'm not really surprised that it wasn't attended. He, uh, he came up to me about an hour after it started. He's like, yeah, I just want you to know I cleaned up the workshop room. It's all ready to go for whatever's in there next, and nobody was here for my panel. <laughs> oh. oh, I feel sad. I've had that happen to me. I, I've been in panels where I've been the only person in the room, so yeah. I know how he feels. But I yeah, after the... models at the con, so I, I can understand why nobody was there. It didn't seem like they were selling a lot of them. Yeah, the well, and for that is passed. Unless you buy, like, a perfect grade, you usually want to paint it anyway, which is kind of hard to do at right. the, the panel, so... So, anyway, after the cosplay debacle ended, the less said about that, the better, <laughs> there was the EAF Oscars award ceremony, and so how did that turn out? Any problems with that? Anything, given that it was a first-time event? No, I think the only thing, and once again, the only problem I think we had this year was underestimation of uh, the amount of people for things. Getting the AF Oscars, it was off to a little bit of a late start, but it was uh, the first time we'd done this show, and it was uh, something we're going to do again next year. It was uh, really well-received. I've heard nothing but great things about it from folks online. But it went amazingly well. I think the filmmakers were really surprised that it wasn't just, you know, oh, look, you know, some guy from some con can give me an award, you know. Meanwhile, you had Veronica Taylor handing out the first couple of awards, you know, Ash from Pokemon is now giving you your filmmaker's award. Jeff and Quentin were up there, and well, all of our guests, actually. All of our guests were the presenters at this. And it just was, it was an amazingly fun show. It was very well written um, by our talented writing staff, with uh, Chris and Angie with them stepping in for, for their moment of greatness. It was a really uh, a fun show. I think everyone had a good time. It was, there was a lot of people in the room. I actually got to see the show. I was actually there for that show. I actually got to sit down for half an hour. And uh, it, was really, it was a really enjoyable fun. That's good to hear. I guess after that, they reconfigured the room for the two dances that were happening. There was going to be the formal ball sort of style dance, and then also the cosplayback, which was being run by Wasabi Anime. That was a disco, I understand? Yeah. 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 yeah I actually could not attend either of those because my panel was happening in the main events room, oddly enough, and I was skeptical that anyone would show up because it was scheduled opposite not one, but two dances as well as the J-Rock Visual K panel, but no, I pretty much packed the room with what tends to be my most popular panel that I do, just showing bad anime and mm -hmm. laughing at it. It went over quite well. The 
for this panel as well as the I Can't Believe You Haven't Seen That panel. And the reason we haven't talked about that too much is because if you listen to this podcast, the I Can't Believe You Haven't Seen That panel is basically this podcast what in does an hour. Yeah. With a video. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Bad Anime is just me showing off Odin, MD Geist, and all that. that Apocalypse Zero. Yeah. Basically all of it. That Gerald always has to leave the room for. It's not even all of Apocalypse Zero. It's just... <laughs> Scratching the surface. That's what makes it so good. But it was two hours of that. It went great. It started a little late for reasons I'll get into mm -hmm. in a minute. But just to hurry things along, I started a little late. So I ended up slightly late because then Clarissa had her panel, mm -hmm. which was about yaoi anime and manga. That was around, what, 12.45, 12.30 at night? Yeah, it was scheduled for 12.30, but it didn't start until about 12.45, so... Mm -hmm. And I was jumping between Clarissa's panel and the uh, hentai manga panel that was going yeah. on at the same time, and just going between the two of them. Which should have been in the room I was in, because the hentai panel always gets a much larger <coughs> audience than the Yaoi and BL panel, so... It's kind of strange, though. I mean, we were just at J-Con, which is in mm -hmm. the same city. It's in Orlando, and the Yaoi-themed events there were by far and away more popular than yeah. the hentai events. Well, but at AFO, it's the other way around. The thing yeah. is that... I'm sure what that yeah, I, I don't know. It, it may be <laughs> that there's an audience difference. That there's a, just a different audience balance between J-Con and between AFO. who goes to J-Con, who goes to AFO. Yeah. I think it really but comes down the other to thing... that they really build a gigantic event at J-Con. Yeah, <laughs> I was just trying to say that if you hadn't cut me off. No, 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 it's good. You said it already, and you can't say it now, of course. Uh, you got beaten. <laughs> Be faster next time. Yeah, I mean, Nicole at J-Con has, like, four hours for her event, or possibly even more, because she does two back-to-back. -back. Like, she does a Shonen Eye event that she can run, like, light stuff, and then after hours, then they do the carded, more hardcore Yaoi and BL event, and yeah, I mean, it's just hours long, and the thing is, hers is a showing, where they actually just run full things, whereas mine is a, a panel where I talk about stuff, so... Okay. Hi, I'm Ichigo. I'm Balto. And we're Anime Pulse. We got our fingers on the pulse of anime. Do you like anime, but you don't know what to watch? We love anime and watch it all the time. So if you want the true fan's perspective on the latest and greatest in Japan, rants, discussions, or stories about anime, then we're the ones to check out. So check out Anime Pulse at www.anime-pulse.com. Hey, you kids! What are you doing on my lawn? Oh, snap! It's old man Chigo! We better run for it! Run! Don't make me come out there! That was Saturday night. Then Sunday was fairly light, I guess, as far as Sundays yeah. go. But the reason was, was because the entire convention was waiting in line all day. <laughs> Yeah. Because that was the day that all four of the Full Metal Alchemist people were doing their signings. And mm -hmm. so the con was empty. It was great. You could walk around and do whatever you wanted. No yeah. one was there. Yeah, they were all waiting patiently in line. Everyone else I mean, that, waiting a, in line. That's, that's a funny right. story because on Saturday we had some of the FMA actors were in the dealer's room. And, you know, in past AFOs we've had, you know, popular guests and 20, 30 people show up and hang out at their at their signing table and a minor clog in the dealer's room and it's not that big a deal. We had a line wrapped from where they were signing all the way around the dealer's room, once around the dealer's room and out the door on Saturday afternoon. Any problems that we had this year was just too much of a good thing. So Sunday we had uh, we found a room that wasn't being used, pulled all the actors in there about 3 o'clock, and uh, we 
found a place for them to do signings, and we mm. had just people coming in and doing signings from from three o'clock till five thirty. Yeah, I'm really glad you guys did that because I had to wait for long enough as it was to to get Quentin Flynn's autograph in the dealer's room. And if the Full Metal Alchemist guys had been in there, I don't think I ever would have gotten it. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you were able to get that close. Yeah, it was it was pretty crowded. Although part of it was just like stuck waiting behind this one group of people of like four or five people who each had to take like three or four photographs each with what yeah. seemed like eight different cameras. We always talk yeah. about how, with our panels anyway, we don't really hear that much feedback online following the panel, even though we saw people sitting there. We know yep. that mm -hmm. people were present. So, and we also ask them, too. Yeah, I have that problem every year. And so, rather than perpetuate the problem, I say we should talk about some other panels that we attended. Uh, we've pretty much gone over most of Saturday. How about Sunday? Were there any panels that you guys went to that you thought were... Yeah, I, uh, for the hell of it, I saw this panels that said Intro to Type Moon, and I wasn't really familiar with what the hell that was. Yeah, I and went to that, because everybody, everybody's talking about Fate Stay Night now. That's yeah, like I, the big thing, so... I realized that it was that company that does Fate Stay Night and... Uh, All these porno things. games that get turned into anime that aren't porn. <laughs> now, the thing is, I will give the people who ran that panel credit. It was a good panel. They were passionate about what they were talking about. They talked about it with interest and knowledge of it. Mm -hmm. And that is really all that I ask from a panel. Yeah. And that, I think they had a lot of information, and they had a lot of good visual examples and such. Because without... I have sat into so many panels where people just kind of sit there, and this mm -hmm. is like, okay, this is my reason that I got into the con free. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about whatever. At the very least, these guys were passionate about what they were talking mm -hmm. about even if it was a little bit, you know, out of my range, but I'll give him mm. that. What was that panel about? I remember scheduling it. I, I never really um, understood a, it. it was about a specific company. But. Yeah, it's about the company that makes uh, these arrow games, like Fate Stay Night, um, and they've also made... They did the game uh, Tsukihime, which spawned... Like, they've spawned a couple anime series off of their games. They've also worked with... Another company called Franzipan, or French Bread, to do uh, some fighting games, the Melty Blood games, which have characters from Tsukihime. Because Fate Stay Night is really popular now, so... Mm -hmm. That's one I've seen on the, on the servers, I've not actually seen it, though. Yeah. Sunday, there was the AMV contest, mm -hmm. which, if I'm not mistaken, are AMVs declining in popularity, Eric, or, like, overall? AFO seems to be... We're very cosplay con talking to somebody else about this, one of our AMV creators, and they saying that we're not a very heavy AMV con. Our AMV contest is always really well attended. I think we had a lot of people there this year. Um, if they weren't there, they were waiting in line for uh, Yeah, for there autograph. was a good number of people, especially considering how many people were in the line for the Fullmetal Alchemist. Um, normally, yeah, normally our AMV contest is standing room only. I think if the only yeah. reason it wasn't this year was strictly because of the Fullmetal Alchemist signing. Yeah, I think so. Um, but usually we have a pretty good showing. We don't focus on it as much. We do have an AMV room, and we show, we always have a how to make an AMV panel. If you want to get into that sort of thing, we always kind of mm -hmm. have people give pointers and critiques of, of AMVs. But yeah, I actually part, didn't attend that. I know the people who were running it. The only thing I ever heard about it was, for some people who didn't know anything about AMVs, they said they went in for 10 minutes and it was just way too over their heads to begin mm -hmm. with, even in those 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah, well, that was more of a critique panel, a high-level critique panel, I okay. think. Okay. If you mean the AMV meat grinder one. No, I think it was how to make an AMV. Oh, okay. Yeah. But 
happened maybe, to... Maybe there needs to be a beginner and intermediate for that yeah, or something like that. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know I would well say that from the last couple of AMV contests that I've been to, it's not that I'm seeing a lot less people at the contest, and I'm still seeing a lot of videos entered, so I don't think that it's less popular. Unfortunately... Honestly, the quality overall of the video, the AMV submissions has gone way down. Because, like, I know just the past year or two at the AMV contests that I've gone to at the cons here, there's just not that many AMVs that are really that impressive that are being shown. Even the winners are kind of well, eh. I think a I lot know. of it, just uh, what little little portion of that section of fandom that I'm I hang out with. I think there's so many AMV contests nationwide now, mm -hmm. and with all the different conventions. I know a lot of conventions, including AFO, require it to be premiered at AFO. Right. A new thing that you've done. You can't just say, right. "Oh, I've won at 15 other cons. I'll send you my video." Yeah. So it may be that some of the high-level AMV creators are focusing on cons like AWA that are really big AMV They're hitting cons. AX, they're hitting AWA and the yeah. AMV-heavy cons, because, mm -hmm. you know, and they work all year to that goal. I think. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and it's funny, you mentioned the, the How to Make an AMV panel last year. Um, the same gentleman that ran it this year, Brandon Beatty, ran our panel this year as well. And last year, he did an hour of beginner's basics of, you know, working with various editing systems and getting your video and doing all this. He did an hour of that, and that ended up bleeding into, there was nothing scheduled behind him. So he just that kept going. <laughs> five-hour panel on After <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, the man is a machine, a, a dangerous, frightening machine. You know, of AMV. It's like, you know, you don't have to go five hours, but if you want to, I said. <laughs> That's amazing. I believe on Saturday that was when I held my panel as well. Pretty niche panel. It was the giant robots and the men who love them. Mm. It was the first time I'd held a panel like that, and it was basically just me kind of talking about giant robots and jumping back and forth between the crowd, them mentioning Escaflone and me mentioning how much it sucks. And you forgetting about Combattler V. Well, the thing and is... Voltus and Voltus and Tomos. Well, it's a, it's a lot of just... I had to throw this panel together rather quickly because my computer died and I had to work That's all That's no excuse. It. It's Combattler V and Voltus and Dimos. It's you and robots. There's no excuse. That should have been the perfect panel. You spent a year watching Combattler is the reason why Clarissa's getting on his case for forgetting that he <laughs> watched And now Combattler. we're watching Voltus. You were mentioning how AFO is primarily a cosplay-centric convention as opposed to AMVs. Sunday you had the costume contest, and then you also had what I believe was another new event for AFO, Project Cosplay. Can you tell us about that? Yes, Project Cosplay actually started Friday night at opening ceremonies. We had designers, auditions, not the right word. We had, selected? Uh, yeah, pre-selected designers that volunteered to do this. It was very much like Project Runway, where in Project Runway they have a certain amount of time, they mm -hmm. have to make some sort of fashion device, dress, clothing, whatever it is, and <laughs> then they have to have a model and they do the runway thing and walk it out. So what we did this year is we took that and gave it a cosplay twist. So these folks, they had to come up with a design, they were announced Friday night, and then on Saturday morning they were given a small budget and they went to a fabric store with our camera crews and our coordinator for that, Christian Allen, and they had a certain amount of money they could spend to buy whatever they needed for this costume that they had designed. And then they had all of Saturday and half of Sunday to sew this costume from beginning to finish and have their model model it at 5 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. First year we did it, and the results were amazing. I believe the premise was Final Fantasy-esque type character. That was what they had to come up with, an original Final Fantasy-esque character. So basically they spent their entire budget on zippers. 
Yeah. <laughs> I see. Zippers and belts. <laughs> Actually, no, I didn't see a lot of that. I was there for the ceremony, and there didn't seem to be a lot of zippers and belts and stuff that I'm familiar with. And, uh, must not oh, they must have all lost. Fantasy. They must have all been disqualified. So, nope, well, not Final Fantasy. No, it must be Almino Final Fantasy instead of Nomura Final Fantasy, then. I doubt I it. Yeah. I've only played the Nomura stuff. That was pretty much the last event before closing ceremonies. How did that end up? Closing ceremonies was great. This was one of our favorite events for the weekend, actually. Cool, because it was the end of the con. No, um, not really. It was, uh, we, I mean, it was one of those things that went really well. All the guests were there, and they were able to come and say goodbye to all their fans. A lot of them came up and gave a little speech at the end. It was very nice. And Chris and Angie were hosting for us again. Always very entertaining. It seemed like everyone had a good time, and the guests were really grateful for the time they spent with the fans during the weekend. And so how was the crowd for closing ceremonies? I know we mentioned that people usually don't go to opening ceremonies, but there was a very large crowd this year. Did the same thing happen at closing? We weren't standing room only for closing ceremonies, but the room was full. And in past years, and this is uh, every con, I think, not just ours, yeah. there's always a certain 50 to 100 people that show up for closing ceremonies, and this year it was full house again. We weren't standing room only. There might have been a couple of seats left in the back, but it was uh, there wasn't much. And closing ceremonies is traditionally when the con feedback session happens, the con gripe, as some might call it. Did that occur at AFO, and what sorts of things were suggested there, if you can remember any? We at AFO don't like to do the con gripe session. Why is that? I know a lot of other cons do that. It can sometimes end on a negative. We like to make sure that people leave with a smile on their face and hope they've had a good weekend been to a lot of the gripe sessions, they're usually pretty positive. Once again, we're all about the show at AFO, so it, mm. it doesn't make for good entertainment for the masses, so we don't tend to do that at our show. I always like to see the minimum one person at the gripe session that will complain about something that they would have known if they had just bothered to read the con guide. They'll say, oh, why wasn't there an event for this when there was? I know that Otakon, what they did, they actually had their con feedback session in the middle of the day on Sunday, that way they wouldn't have to end on that note. Hmm. That might be an idea. Had we had a gripe session, I'm sure the girl that complained about not being able to panhandle during the weekend would have brought that up again. <laughs> that would have been great. We would have been able yeah. to have her on interviewed for the truth, and the truth would be alive once again. Sorry, so, I couldn't help you yeah. out there, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. He got to crush some souls, so yeah, like, it soul. evens out. Overall, how was AFO compared to previous years? Do you think it was the best AFO ever? Do you think there were... Some things that could have been done better. I think this was our best AFO ever, actually, to date. Obviously, we have to top it again next year. <laughs> Last year, uh, AFO 6, and the, all the years we've been doing this, AFO 6 was my personal favorite. Everything went amazingly well. Everyone had a good time. It was, it was a lot of fun to put on. It was a lot of fun for everyone involved. This year, it was miles above and beyond what we did last year, which means we've got a lot of work to do for next year. This was, I really think, one of our best events. For me, personally, it went really well, and the rest of our staff, I think, had a, had a good time doing it. We always enjoy putting this event on, making sure that we have happy people leaving this con, really wanting to come back next year. Everything I've heard online so far seems to support that. It's interesting that you mentioned that, since as this interview's been going on, I've actually been looking online to see what people have been saying about AFO in the various message boards and places like that and most of it's been pretty positive so we've been spending the last hour and change talking about all that good stuff but just for the sake of pretending that we have some modicum of objectivity here let's go over some of the things that people have said online I'm just to bring you down a bit Eric <laughs> <laughs> other than me getting 
clocked in the face with a pokken. I think the number one thing that probably encompasses most of the complaints that people seem to have about AFO this year, and it seems to be a recurring theme, is communications breakdown. It seemed that from staff to congoers, or from even staff to other levels of staff, there might have been some trouble conveying information. Like, I'll give an example. The film festival, the showings of yeah. those. There was one on Friday and another on Saturday. But the Saturday one was not in the con guide. wasn't in the schedule. It was on the schedule on the website. It wasn't in the schedule at the con. I asked someone, hey, is that a printing error? They told me, nope, it was canceled. But it wasn't canceled. It actually happened. That's one example of something where that wasn't quite passed down the ladder. You told you that. I'll have to have them beaten. <laughs> Everyone works under layers of an anonymity at AFO that way. Because they know the beatings are coming. So they just say, my name is Guy Incognito. My name is nobody. Just like that dude in the Odyssey. Or maybe it was the Aeneid. I don't remember. <laughs> One of those things. Mr. Satan and Dragon Ball. Yeah. Another example, my panel, the bad anime panel, historically has never required an ID check. I don't run anything that I personally think would constitute an ID check. I was told that every single person had to clear out of the room because they had to check everyone for ID, and that was the reason why it started 15 minutes late. Never was in the con guide, wasn't anything like that. By the end of the panel, they weren't checking for IDs, so they had to clear the whole room out again and check everyone for ID so Clarissa's panel could start. Mm-hmm. And that was why her panel ended up starting late. Even though it wasn't in the con guide, somehow the message had been conveyed that yeah. gotta check us for ID. There was another communication issue, but this was between you guys and the hotel, I think. Since my panel started late, I was initially told that I was gonna be able to run later than usual at the end in order to make up for it. And then as it was ending, suddenly they came back and said, No, the hotel's kicking us out, so you can't run any later, you have to end it now. It's just a law kind of thing, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that wasn't you guys' fault, necessarily. It was just another communication glitch, I guess. Well, it's good to know. I didn't know that happened. If I could suggest one thing, on the AFO website, you had a grid available that basically said what, everything that was going on, but uh, this grid wasn't available in the booklet. I know that you did have a layout of everything, but I think that having a grid is actually a very nice thing to have to quickly compare what's going on, when and where. And there was no schedule for the anime either. You basically had to walk up to the door. Right. That was the two things that I want out of the program guide. I want to be able to mm -hmm. take it, open it to the page, and wherever the staple is, because that's where it naturally opens up, I want to see the schedule of what's going on on the weekend in table format. That's pretty much what I want out of a program guide. And I knew the schedule was there because it was on the website, and when I'd ask staffers, they'd pull out printouts that they'd made of that table. That would be good if it was in the guide as well. And I thought it was good yeah. that you had descriptions of what all the events were. You had descriptions of mm -hmm. all the anime that was showing, mm -hmm. but there was nothing regarding video schedules. I understand why, of course. It's because the video room schedule, and you should know this, of course, Eric, because you're the man when it comes to this, it's so volatile. Changes the last minute. You can't... Exactly. The mm -hmm. program guide has to go to print weeks before the convention starts. The solution I generally see conventions take is that... Usually the... Uh, they finalize you know, the, the video schedule, and then they head off to Kinko's and print out a couple thousand copies or whatever of a sheet of paper. And then just have that next to the program guide. So you take your program guide that has the panel grid, which is usually finalized earlier, 
and then you've got the sheet of paper with the video room schedule on mm-hmm. it. I think mm-hmm. that would be really good for AFO to yeah, have in usually, the future. Usually we do that. There were some printing issues this year and the normal schedule grid. Uh, we've done that in previous years. You guys have seen our grid mm-hmm. before. And there were just some printing issues that weren't physically able to happen on time for the convention. Normally we always have that and next year. I guarantee you we will have that. It was a problem last year as well. The theme last year was more of a TV guide mm-hmm. sort of thing. And so right. the grid wasn't really laid out to be readable as such. It was readable this year. It was just only on the website. Yeah. And then this year it wasn't there, and so I just found myself being, what? What's happening? And then, you know. Yeah, I, I believe there was actually one or two things that I actually wanted to sit down and see. Uh, I think like the Zeta Gundam movie or something like that, and I actually wasn't aware of when they were happening. Right. It was there, you just didn't know when. Panel, because yeah. your panel on Sunday, Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I want to suggest, uh, I think this is a good one, I'm reading this. The AFL Oscars Awards, when you say what the nominees are, it would be good if you ran clips of the nominees because it was in the main events room. They were set up with audio and video. There were screens there. It might be good to just oh refresh people's memory on which mm. movie this was because it was just the nominees were so-and-so for such-and-such title. And maybe some of the people who went to the awards didn't see all the movies or something like that. Any thoughts on that as an idea? Now that was something we were, we were trying to do this year. To various various and sundry technical issues. Um, and what sort of uh, technical issues were there? The way I think of it is my layman's term, uneducated self, just have a guy queuing up things with a DVD player and then just switch over to have it display on the projector. What's the yeah. difficulty? Well, the, techni- the technical issue was, plan was to make a show reel just for that end because I was editing the show reel at 4 a.m. on yeah, I see Wednesday you. night. <laughs> Don't I know about that? Yeah. yeah. You know. Putting the show together, that was just something that wasn't able to happen this year. Yeah, maybe chapter breaks on the DVD, because you had it authored as a DVD. Maybe putting chapter breaks on the DVD that you just hit a chapter and play a clip from the thing. Maybe that would be the way to go for that. Another thing I'm reading here, dealer's room. Closed early, either 30 minutes to an hour in advance. I think we saw this ourselves. Mm. Are you aware of this? Do you know what might have caused uh, that? Actually, I wasn't aware of that. Uh, huh. I don't know. Uh, something I'll have to look into. Hmm. Let's see. This is the main one that directly affected me. The sound system in the main events room. This was a problem all weekend. It was configured in such a way that you could not actually understand spoken dialogue unless the person in question was just yelling. And so when you had the AFO Oscar entries shown on Friday, most of the dialogue could not be discerned. And similarly, most of the opening ceremonies, the things that the guests are saying... You couldn't really tell what they were saying if you were maybe 10 rows behind, maybe even then. I actually noticed at maybe 1 a.m. the problem had something to do with, I believe, the low-pass dial on the mixer board was turned all the way up, and so that filtered out almost all the lower-range frequencies. I ended up fixing it, but it was 1 a.m. the damage was already done. Any ideas on what could be done about that, given that some would say you were saying, what, it's four years in the same building, and you've had, I think it's the same equipment, is there any, like, what, I don't know anything about running conventions, which is why I am asking these things for <laughs> well, the you know, listeners our, our who also don't know anything. Changes, our equipment changes from year to year, and we okay. were aware of that. It was just, there was, uh, didn't seem to be anything we could, you know, it was always in the middle of a show that was the problem. It was always trying to get that fixed in the middle of a show without mics going down while people are talking on it. So AFO so doesn't actually right. own equipment, they rent it out each year, is that it? Correct. Okay. Yeah, I know uh, some conventions, they just say, oh, we'll just buy the same DVD players or have them in storage for a year or something like that or keep them at somebody's house. 
one way around that. You mentioned this earlier, the autograph sessions for guests. They were held in the dealer's room, but it wasn't just that they were held in the dealer's room. They were held in the front of the dealer's room. What would happen is it would block things off very quickly. And so I guess next year, since you saw what happened, are just all the autograph signings going to be in that workshop area, or are they just maybe going to be moved into, say, the back of the dealer's room? Any um, ideas for very that? Probably. Like I said, in, in previous years and all the years we've been doing this, autograph lines have never really been a major issue. Like I said, you know, maybe at most 20, 30 people hanging mm-hmm. out around, you know, guest X's table. And this is, once again, something we were just completely caught unawares. There's suddenly 400 people wanted these people's autograph at 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. And, we're, and people were like, we can't get into the dealer's room past these people. Help us. And it was just something, you know, we had to kind of deal with on the fly. It was, it was a surprise to everyone, I think. Another thing that was kind of a surprise to, I guess, a lot of other people was, it appears, I'm reading through these, I guess there was some trouble finding out when people's scheduled autograph signings were, since it doesn't seem that the information was explicitly stated. I've been looking through the con guide. It's not in there. I think most people just figured they'd have a good chance of seeing a guest in the dealer's room if they just had a panel, which ended. I personally know in the case of Vic, he had signings before his panels. And I know this because he had to leave for his panel right as I was about to get him to sign Spriggan, <laughs> which I had won at Anime Festival Orlando many years ago. <laughs> Is there any way in subsequent years you can maybe post up when so-so's autograph signings are going to be? Yeah, I think that's something we will be doing in the future. Once again, like I said, it's never really been a problem. It's one of those things that usually guests kind of, when they want to come out and do the signings, they're there a good portion of the weekend normally crowds this year and everything we just were caught completely by surprise in the future it's something that we will be working on making sure that's scheduled and more easily accessible i think all these things basically are things regarding the program guide and the schedule ultimately Mm -hmm. all can be fixed in one shot you fix one you fix the rest but one thing that is independent of the schedule guide what needs to happen is that jcon afo metrocon all of them they all need to unite and start kicking out these people who show up to the raves in fursuits. On general principle, especially, you know, because they're, like, <laughs> sitting spread eagle on the floor outside the rave to the kids, like at J-Con. It seems like there's about six of these people who do this at every Florida con. I think we need to declare a witch hunt, a persecution. Come on, Eric, you can make it happen. Just give the word, um, I will. I will certainly look into that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, <laughs> No This wasn't AFO's fault. Nothing you could have really done about this, but I guess a lot of people, since they'd shown up for the Full Metal Alchemist people, they really would have liked to see that movie premiere. I guess they were going to do two showings of the movie, but what happened was, I guess, did the theater just not get the reel, or did they just get the reel and cancel at the last minute? What was the story behind the cancellations of the Full Metal Alchemist movie showings in the movie theater? Actually, there was a lot of circumstances on that, all beyond our control at AFO. is not something we could fix during the week. It's mm-hmm. nothing you could have done about it. Did the theater just say, nope, or... Because well, it was a Friday. Really into. It's, it's all, you know, just interstaff stuff that I really uh, really okay. not going to. Uh-huh. Understandable. I've been hearing this. Your mileage may vary on this. It's kind of a kind of a point-of-view thing, I guess. There was a lot of diversity in the panels. They're mostly... The diversity was not... For anime, they were Japanese pop culture. I don't mind that terribly much. We had a Super Sensei panel, J-Drama, EGL, J-Rock, the Ball Joint Dolls, the Kendo, Para-Para Dancing, Japanese Horror, fan anime films. Anime you love to hate. All that stuff. There were also some other ones, MMORPGs, and then a separate one just for World of Warcraft. 
And then a third one just for East Coast versus West Coast RPGs, which was interesting. Um, I actually like that there was a variety of panels, but what I seem to be seeing here is that a lot of the panels were not what they were advertised as being. I didn't go to this panel, but there were apparently four hours dedicated to gothic metal. Not even gothical Lita, just straight up goth culture. That's all it ended up being, and apparently nobody liked this thing. Hadn't heard anything good about it at all. What could be done about this? And out of curiosity, why straight up goth culture at an anime con? Well, um, we, we find that there's a lot of crossover in that community. I was not at either of those panels. I don't know how they went. Uh, something else to look into. But we'll see how that went. Check what the feedback is on that. I'm not sure uh, Okay. <clears throat> that we'll be doing that again. Like you said, I think the workaround for this would just be if people were to submit slightly more elaborate things for their panels. So maybe the staff and everyone would know exactly what they were going to do. That would probably fix that. The other thing I'm seeing is some panels just were not especially good panels. Gerald, you keep mentioning it. What was the deal with this anime you love to hate thing that you went to Friday? I was only there for a little while, but you guys oh, were yeah, there for the whole thing, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I guess this was a panel that was kind of surprising because that was kind of a panel that we expected that you were going to run, Daryl. Apparently it was run by this fellow who basically the entire panel was... I actually don't know if I can describe it. It was just kind of him... Babbling? Babbling. About... I was there for about five minutes. This is what I saw. This guy, he just stood on a chair and talked. But he didn't talk about anime. He talked about Final Fantasy VIII. And he well, was only audible to the people in the first row. He would mention a show and then he would just say, oh, this thing about the show, unrelated. And it, it was just basically... A panel that I guess he wasn't qualified to run. Okay. I don't know how you... I guess, well, again, that comes down to... That's good to know for our end of things. Yeah, I actually, when I was talking to him, because, again, a lot of people probably thought that there was something I was doing because I have a bad anime panel, but his is mostly discussion, and mine was entirely videos. And I figured, oh, that's fine, because Otakon does something that's all discussion. It's called Your Favorite Anime Sucks. Very popular panel. I went to it. The way it worked was that people would just throw out the name of something, and the hosts, there were three of them, would just say why it sucked. And I thought that's what this was going to be. Well, he tried to do that, but and he, he would start to do that, but then he would go off on these weird tangents. He would end up talking about something totally different, and a lot of the times, the stuff that he would say about the show really just wasn't that funny or that... I see. Yeah, the challenge to that panel, it was run by three people at Otakon, and the people yeah. there were very quick on their feet. They were very good at improvisation. Yeah. I actually talked to the person who ran this thing. I think his name was also Christian, but he wasn't the Christian who did Project Cosplay or Super Sentai. He actually told me that he had years of drama experience and improvisation, and he seemed completely oblivious to the criticisms that you were telling him <laughs> you're levying right now. Kind of odd. I also, I think I brought this up because I actually wanted to contact him before the con. I mentioned it to you, Eric, and you said you didn't know who he was. When I talked to him, he said he'd been a staffer at AFO for the last four years. Are there any staffers at AFO for the last four years that you wouldn't know? No, no, actually they're not. I don't know why he would have said that. But... Yeah. Mm. Guy named Christian. That's all I know about him. Something else I'll have to look into. Yeah. Okay, look, guys, I need to get going. Okay, well, thanks very much for your time, Eric. Uh, overall, I thought AFO was a pretty good convention. Yeah. I uh, yeah. enjoyed myself. There was always stuff to do. If there's just one last thing that I think is a personal suggestion, it's not really criticism, not really something that went wrong, but I noticed the way your schedule block worked out, you set it up so it seemed that every 
half hour an event would start. And traditionally, it's every hour an event starts. I understand the reasoning you must have had for this. It's, oh, okay, less time delay between when something starts. But I guess the end result for me was that everything ended up overlapping. For example, the Transformers panel was scheduled at the exact same time as the Chogokin Machinder panel, which was kind of odd because I think the Mecha people would go to one or the other. Crowd. Yeah, that was, that was an oversight on my part. I will totally take the hit on that one. I felt very bad for the... Uh... I felt bad for the guys running the Chigokin panel. I didn't get to see either, actually. I was just yeah. My suggestion for that would just be sync things up so every hour things go. But it was a good idea, because you haven't seen it before at conventions, things every half an hour, but I think the reasoning that it's every hour is just because everything ends up overlapping. You end up missing either the first half or the second half of just about everything. But yeah, thanks very much for your time, Eric. I'll let you go. No, Eric Reese, once again, again, Vice President of Anime Festival Orlando and uh, Anime Guys in America. Every month they have free showings at the Lowe's Cineplex here in Florida. Check them out over in City Walk, Universal City Walk. Do you have the dates yet for Anime Festival Orlando next year? Uh, I don't, but as soon as we as soon as soon we have those confirmed, we will uh, get them out to you guys. All right, no okay. problem. Uh, that website is www.animefestivalorlando.com. Thanks very much for your time, Eric. Thank you. No problem. Yeah, and then you gotta be all awkward, because, like, you know, you're making time with your lady friend, and, like, you finally get her into the bedroom, and she's taking your clothes off, and you have, like, 12 iron balls stuck into your skin. And it's like, what's that for? Well, in case I'm ever without my heavy-ass briefcase, <laughs> with my Diver rip-off armor in it, that I take off normally, even though I've got some sort of magical transformation <laughs> sequence that does it automatically, it's like... Why do you need to transform into iron when you have this armor? And if he, when he's iron, he doesn't have any powers. Yeah. His only power is to get hurt less. It's like this is slightly less damaging, but still fatal. That's like the, oh, thank god I turned into iron, so only 56% of my body was blown away in that blast. Well, I'm thinking about this in hell now, because I'm dead. God, There's if no way else. anybody from this anime made it to heaven. <laughs> Dave and Joel's Fast Karate for the Gentleman. The anime podcast for people who don't like anime. Or podcasts. Find us online at www.daveandjoel.com Alright, that's going to do it for us this week at Anime World Order. Again, not really a traditional episode because it was pretty much entirely the convention report. I'm not quite sure how... It- interesting it'll be to people outside florida but hey we're local to florida yeah we have we have to earn our uh, press badges somehow so. and on yeah. that note next time on awo we're going to do a slightly more popular convention that hopefully more people have attended hopefully due to the fact that we carpet bomb that place with annoying flyers oh my god yeah we're gonna do our report of otakon 2006 i'm sure you're probably sick of it by now because all the other podcasters have done their Otakon report by the time we're going to get to do this. but to We're different li- because we'll be two weeks late. Yes, we'll be two weeks late. <laughs> and as our special guest, we will have the Answer Man from Anime News Network, because he was at the con as well. He'll offer some feedback from his side of things, and we'll see how that goes. Gerald and I were there. Clarissa wasn't there. But hey, con's a con, so you can be on and offer your insights, Clarissa, and it'll be (laughs) like you were there anyway. You can pretend you were there. You can edit this out and say, oh yeah, you were there, whatever.
We lie all the time. Nobody will know. All the time. <laughs> and mm -hmm. people hardly ever catch us on it. And when people do, we just say, oh, whatever. Yeah, we lied. <laughs> but at least we're honest about it. Honest about lying. Well, it's like Los Guerreros. <laughs> we lie, we cheat, we steal, but at least we admit it. So that you know, people can at least appreciate and respect you from that level. So, anyway, we'll see you next week. Peace out. <laughs>